Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Beer League, the show where we give our non-expert expert opinions on anything and everything. This week, we're doing a little blast from the past. Okay, it's a little blast from the past. We got Keep the Eleven back on. I Woo! believe it's been, might it be five years? Three. No, three. <laughs> three? <laughs> yeah. How long have I lived here, then? Yeah, I guess three years. 2020. Oh, yeah, because you guys were on the podcast when I was moving out. Yeah. Yes, because yes, so. we... Wait, no. Did we do it upstairs or downstairs? No, we did it downstairs. Studio. Yes. It was upstairs. No, was I thought couple, it was downstairs. There was a couple flights. I was sweating by the time. But I thought we did it at, like, my ping pong table. Mm. Yeah, I, I think we did. Yeah. See? This is how either, far we come. Way. Now, we've upgraded yeah. from a ping pong table to that a coffee like, table. Yeah, that was <laughs> to like, a coffee table and couches. That was, like, just as people were starting to go outside during COVID. Oh, yeah. Like, it was yeah. second half of 2020, so people October, were... October, October. Or was it summer? Either it was, way. It, it was, was sometime summer. in that round. It was summer of 2020. It was, like, July. Either way. I mean, it's crazy because you guys were in high school. Yeah. And now you're ju- or about to be juniors. Yeah. Yes. About to be juniors in college. That is wild. So let's let's just take it from where we left off. You know, let's not rush into this. Let's enjoy ourselves a little bit. So how about we oh, go yeah. around? Let's introduce ourselves and what uh, what part of the band that you are an expert in. Let's start off. My name is Reese Fittner. I do guitar and vocals for Keep the Eleven. I am William Lasky, and I play the drums. My name is Adam Caruso, and I play bass in Keep You Eleven. There we go. That would have been funny if someone changed the band name. <laughs> like I play, right I here. play bass in not Nirvana yet, not, not too. Yeah, um, the Beatles too. So obviously, I've been listening to you guys for a while now. I told. I actually went and saw you guys. I can't remember where we were, but it was the Battle of the Band show at... Highland Park. Madame Zuzu's. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That's exactly... I was going to say Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're but right. But I was right. like, that's definitely... Whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, I was like, but that's not the, uh, that's not the actual name of it. Um, so, one of the things that I, is really cool as the listener of you guys is how... In my opinion, you guys kind of like found your own voice. Like um, when back in the day, like you guys were just starting out brand new, trying to figure it out. And it seems like you guys have rare, really narrowed that down, like your tone, your type of music. Um, I haven't listened, obviously, to the whole new EP, but only one song. But, you know, it's continuing, like continuing that type of mentality. Like you guys are really finding your voice and i guess what i want to know is like how did that process work like someone that's not at all in that i just like music like how do you guys do that yeah well, i mean oh go ahead go ahead every day we would rehearse the new songs in this guy's dorm room really small cramped and we were listening to a bunch of new music as well and it just playing over and over this part sounds good but let's find a better part let's keep refining the song until get to something we're all happy with really yeah i think it wasn't it wasn't something we almost intentionally did it was kind of this gradual process you know the first record you know around when we did the first podcast it was it was us trying to figure things out it was a lot of us just sitting in our rooms and like it wasn't at the part where you're like let's start a band it was more like hey we wrote a couple riffs let's throw them together and try to make a record out of it and we've kind of matured to the point where we're like we want to we want to make a musical statement 
more so. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think like kind of going back from what you said, if we started where we were back in 2020 and kind of picked up from there, I definitely think influences definitely changed. And I think when it comes to being a musician, just the more you listen to and the more different things you listen to, the more it definitely inspires you. So I know when it came to like that first EP, it was definitely like very blues, very like early, like white stripes kind of like oriented. And as time progressed, you know, we got a little bit more like police inspired. This record is inspired by a bunch of either like new bands and whatnot now. So yeah. Yeah. I think, I think as backwards as this sounds, our individual influences have almost separated more over the years. And we learned for a while, we didn't know how to go about that. There was, there was kind of a span of time where like we, you know, we have the bands that tie us together, but we didn't know how to blend our, our individual directions. And we kind of worked to a point where, we were able to embrace the differences and get to a point where we could use that to our advantage. Well, it sounds, it sounds like to me, honestly, that it's not uncommon that when you age, you're going to have different tastes, but it's kind of cool that you guys, instead of like pushing that away or saying like, nah, just like, this is what we started it as. This is what we're going to be. This is who keep the 11 is. We're not going to change it. It more seems like you guys embrace that even if you guys branch out with different like music tastes and stuff, being able to come back and make that, you know, uh, track together. That's what's, I mean, that's badass. That's cool. That's what you want to see. So you guys are at Belmont. So walk me through. So, you, so I know that you guys aren't just recording in a dorm room anymore. So how Leveled has that up. been? Yeah. I mean, you miss it a little. <laughs> no, they're, no, they're, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there there was a um, some sort of like magical innocence that came with it when we were first getting going, um, but I would not choose to go back to that because it just <laughs> sounds so much better now. So it was a good time. I don't I don't regret it, but it's definitely it's definitely changed a little bit. That's one of those things, though. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Like my first ever podcast was just literally around a like kitchen table with one mic. So. Well, I think it's almost worked to our advantage because we started out, especially during COVID, like when we were back here, um, we had to do everything ourselves and learn the entire process from the ground up. Um, so now when we've gotten to this studio setting, working with professional mixers, stuff like that, um, we know how to be involved to tailor it more to what we want. It's not just like somebody saw us was like, hey, I want to record you. We're going to make you sound like this. It was we really got to to develop our own sound as we went. And I'll explain for anyone who doesn't know, but the first EP that we recorded, Clear From Above, that was all self-produced in William's Basement. Amid Flashing Lights was also in William's Basement. Pink Telephone was a difference between his basement and my basement. Even Adam, I think, was doing some stuff at his <laughs> house, too. But um, we did, when we recorded the two singles, 8 at 8 and Two-Face, we recorded those at Starstruck Entertainment in Nashville, which was like our first take at like an actual yeah. real recording studio. Songs didn't turn out exactly how we wanted, and that's okay. You know, I think the songs are both really, really good. But once we came up with these songs, we knew we wanted it to do it, like, in the best possible space. And for anyone who doesn't know, Belmont actually owns Columbia Studios A and Quonset Hut in Nashville, Tennessee, which are both very, very legendary recording studios. Johnny so, Cash, Bob Dylan, Peter Frampton. Simon and Garfunkel. Um, anyways, we had the opportunity because we go to school there mm. to use that space so what we did is we you know waited until everyone else left school and we you know we hung back for like a week and whatnot and that's when we were able to record and we got everything done in four days so so does that does that process happen like do you ask like a teacher 
or how does that even come about? So when you take the audio engineering classes, which me and Reese have done, you get the opportunity to book what they call perk time in there um, to record your own stuff, but you obviously don't get people to go along with that. You kind of have to do it on your own. We're lucky enough, my audio engineering professor, shout out Andy Wildrick, um, really wanted to, he played in a band, he was producing people, but now he's a professor there, and um, we got him to come be a studio um, engineer there, and he, he was great, and then we got some of our friends and peers in the music scene who also dabbled in studio engineering, got him in there, and we, so we got a great team out of that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I want to just take a brief part to talk about, because this has been super fascinating to me, um, you guys have known I'm a big concert guy, go to a good amount of shows. Uh, the live performance to me is so important because there's too many people out there that like see a live show and they're like, Oh, they're not as good as their recordings. That's okay. I don't get how that's okay. You know, the best part about seeing a live show and live music in general is like, they're playing it and it's like, they're playing it for you. And when they sound the same, that's the coolest part. So like, I know you guys have done what a hundred plus shows now at this point about yeah uh so you know i've seen a couple the stage presence is electric it's really good i mean we got adam jumping up and down he's making me winded (laughs) it's making me winded uh reese you're having behind the head guitar solos well you're just doing your hands are moving too fast i can't even keep up but like how did you guys spend any time on like stage presence uh, anything of how your shows want to go or anything like that. Absolutely. I think we've matured a lot in that process. Uh, it used to be you just get on stage, you play the songs, but really when I moved down to Nashville, that's when it all kind of started making this about a show, not just some band playing, but you know, you stand here while I do that. Oh, on this song, we'll do this. Kind of make it more of a production. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you got to give the people what you want. Yeah. If you go up there and you're just playing songs, it, it kind of feels like to me that you're going into a coffee shop and there's just a guitarist in the corner. You know, when a band just goes up there and sings a song, it doesn't make the music bad, but just the show itself has a different environment, a different feel, a different you know level of intensity that, I don't know. I was shocked the first time I saw you guys. Actually, technically, the first time was in my house, but the first time I saw you guys play in front of a group, yeah. I was like, you guys are young. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You guys are young. And so it's it's easy to just be like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do, if they're going to, you know, either rise to the occasion or what they're going to do. And it's just – it blew my mind. I was shocked. Thank you. I mean, you guys got the crowd going. That's that's the thing is you guys are engaging. It's not just like you're doing it to do it and then leave. And it's absolutely by design. We want to make the audience sweat by watching us. Yeah. Felt like I was doing jumping yeah, jacks. Yeah. I'll just say my biggest thing is, especially like I'm trying to lead the crowd, whatnot is, I, w- I think we take such big influences from artists like Michael Jackson, Prince, these people who put on these huge productions. You know, we're three guys; we don't have what they have, so we have to make it up within ourselves. And I think, to me, like what's so great about Keith Eleven, like what I think of it is, it's an experience that like people want to get in on. Like I want to, I want to go see them live because they do these certain things, and it's the show like you just have to go see it live. You just have to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, and for, for me, and I think I could speak for, for everyone when I say, like, we're getting the crowd going almost for the for the sake of us just as much as it is for them because we feed off of that. When we see them go crazy, that makes us want to level up even more. 
Um, so it's it's kind of this this back and forth, you know, unspoken communication with them that gets both of us going. Well, I think it's cool that you guys at least like acknowledge that early on, because having good music is is just one thing. Because nowadays, I'm sure you guys know this, most of the money is in touring, going to shows, stuff like that. And there's some of these big names that go out there, and then you just see these reviews about how bad they are. And it's kind of just, it's sad to hear. Because you're like, dude, come on. Like, how do you, like, it's not, it can't be that hard. Like, you got to just at least show some effort. And then you, like, you'll get, like, mediocre. But you guys know, you really take it above and beyond. I like, what I think, I want to know this. So I know you've played some bigger shows and some smaller shows in your day. Do you treat it any differently? Or are you just treating it as if you're playing to a full pack crowd every night? Like, it doesn't matter if they're, I'm talking a small bar I, with like 80 people. I'm talking a big crowd with 200. You treat I, it any different? I personally think it's, I play the same show no matter where we're at. It's the same performance. It doesn't matter if we're playing for one person and we're playing for a thousand. It's just like, it's the same show every time. Mm-hmm. And it, not, not the same show, but I mean, like I'm putting a hundred percent of my effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not, you're not taking days off just because I get it. I get it. I mean, live shows is where it is where it started for us. You know, a lot of people, and it's different for everyone. A lot of people start with the studio craft craftsmanship, which is super dope. If that's what you're into, for us, it started with the live thing. So that's kind of where we channel everything from. Yeah, no matter how many shows we play, every live show is always the most important night of my life. That point forward, it's almost religious. It feels religious. And it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. That's that's what it really comes down to. Um, so I, we don't have to put in one particular. Is there any show that in your mind, just for memory, that really stands out? I would say for one for me that I remember as looking. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of looking at the audience and looking at their eyes. That's like my biggest thing because that's how I know. Like, okay, do I say this next to get them involved? Do we play this song next? Because a lot of times last year, we would just call out songs. We wouldn't even have set lists. And I remember we played a we played a show on I think it was the day before Halloween at a venue called The End in Nashville. Oh, yeah. And I remember a bunch of people showed up for our set because there was another house party that had just got like popped, and a bunch of people were looking for something to do. And I remember specifically like playing bre- the, our two songs, Bread and Butter and Turnstile, and just like you know the crowd was like they were getting it. And then the second we played those two songs, it was like everyone just understood what was going on, and it was just like everyone's eyes like they just were not off us no one was on their phones like it was just like everyone is there in the moment that was a big well, show for me to bounce off of that real quick you talked about the whole set list thing is even to this day now we write out the set list for the sake of transitions but 99 percent of the time we still switch stuff up and that's back to the whole thing about communicating with the crowd so the shows where we feel them again that back and forth communication those are the best shows my favorite my most memorable show for me personally, it was Brooklyn Bowl in Nashville, which we played in March, right? February. 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 And that was our first Live Nation venue. So just the whole experience of loading in. This is your guy's room. There's a shower. I was like, what? Shower? Um, and the it was just the biggest stage I've ever played on. And the my mom and sister came to see me. And it was just magical. It was awesome. And it was a big catalyst for us, too. I mean, we met our, our manager there. We met some some connections shout out red light management i'm not even working with them but they've been super helpful uh to us so far so we just a lot of cool things came from that mm-hmm. well you guys know i put your name in every year to play the bmi stage at lala yeah well, thank I, you i do awesome. i think i told you guys that i've done it every year since i did the first recording i just put your in because you could like 
drop something, so I always put like a couple of songs. I actually put my favorite song. Do you want to guess what my favorite song is? And by the way, no one said their favorite show was the ones I've attended, which kind of hurt. <laughs> oh well, kind of hurt said, a little. You only said hurt one. I will, I will. I will say the Madame Zuzu shows kinda were hurt. were awesome. I will say that <laughs> they were up there. Now you're saying it. Your yeah. favorite yeah. song. A little late. Yeah. What do you think mine is? Is it a is it a popular one? Do you think? It should be. If it's, n- I don't know if it is, but if it's not, that's a travesty. Would you say? I'm gonna say daydreams. Any others? Are you a rock and roller? Or do you like the the pop the poppers? Well, I feel like I I can't give hints. This is just Man. this is just a guess game. All right, to to spice it up, I'll say bread and butter. I was gonna say Neanderthal off the uh, first record. I have no idea. It, it is daydream. Oh, okay. Okay. but I feel like I've told you that, I've which you. which was kind of cheating. Well, I've heard him listen to yeah. Well, That's, you're good because uh, that that is one of our hits. So you're that good is there. yeah. I was gonna say if that one's not popular because that one it's like I don't know how that like that could easily be just like a radio bop, in my opinion. I mean, that it's was very the first good. one that that kind of gained some traction. Oh, I mean, it's super good. The Thank one you. thing that I told you guys this in the first one, the production value is wild to me like other people might listen to it and not know who you guys are and i can understand where they'll be like oh no, they're just they're a rock band you're supposed to have good production but dude you guys were in high school and now i'm finding out that you guys are doing it in a basement <laughs> like, and like that's we, wild to the, like that's just wild to me yeah and like and what's insane is like we were doing it not only in a basement but like equipment that like you could just buy at the store like it's not like we're <laughs> like it's yeah you go to like the studio set we have now like in columbia is like half a million dollars worth of equipment even the stuff we're using more like, than that you know a, interface that you can buy on amazon for 100 bucks like it's that's all it is yeah i mean i i bought like a used uh it was an akg like drum uh, like mic set for live shows and I bought it used off of somebody we know and and then we all had like Adam had like a rip off SM57 and he was I think I think for daydreams we had the DI bass I think we had that down yeah. already well yeah it was hilarious on the first record Adam was recording his his bass out of a Marshall like a little ten, a Marshall, ten watt Marshall guitar amp he plugged his bass into, and then he used uh, like an SM57 that he plugged into his computer via USB. Yeah. And, while, and while I'm playing, if you soloed the bass track of the song, you can hear a TV show I have on in the background <laughs> that I forgot to mute. My mom's like, did you get your homework done? He's yelling. But we're, we're nerds. We were glad to be doing it. We, instead of, this sounds cheesy, but like instead of going to parties and partying, we were in William's basement just kind of grinding it out. Well, that was our COVID project, too. Yeah. Because it's oh, like, yeah, we, we weren't even we together at this time. Yeah, I mean, there, there was this, this span of time where we had nothing to do, and I was like, we had written some tunes. We were like, let's let's put it together. Let's learn how to do it. I had Pro Tools from messing around on it before, and I was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna figure out how this works. And it turns out we did, sort of. No, <laughs> <laughs> sort of. No, that's even better. See, hearing the like the behind the scenes because you can't hear it on the actual songs itself. That's like the fun part for me. Uh, um, all right, can we talk about the new project? Yes. Can we talk about the new project? Do uh, can we say the name of it? Yes. Or? September 29th. Hey. Hi. Hello is our new record. Um, it's the one that we recorded at Columbia Studios. These were songs that we had we have written, uh, I think, upwards of two years. We've had these some some of these songs like written. And um, we started rehearsing every single day back in, I believe, January is when we really 
correct? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll plug it first. The first single, You'll Never Wear My Sweater, is out August 11th. I don't know when you're hearing this podcast, but the pre-save is available now. Go to our social media and everything's on there, so... That's the plug. This was our this was our passion project from anything we've done so far. I mean, there was tears, there was arguments, there was laughter, there was fun. Oh yeah, there was. We, we really put our hearts into these new songs. When I feel like the the making of this record was the culmination of everything that we had learned doing the other ones, and in, in terms of how we were going to write it, one of my favorite things to talk about is how when we were writing these tunes. We and when we're talking about two years ago, you know, we had some of them were com- almost completely formulated. Some of them were bare bones riffs, um, but we we developed them together. Like Reese said, uh, we were stuffed in my dorm room around February and just spent two months, like three hours every day, just cranking it out. But the point I'm getting to is, um, there's something magical that happens. Maybe it's because we've been playing together for however long, um, but when we stumble on an idea that's right everyone knows it instantly and that's the beauty of it you know we've we had a song um that's on the record where it came from a a riff that adam's had for a couple years now and we were like where do we go with this we were trying out some other things we we even had it like formulated into like a disco rock theme at some point we were like this is really cool but something feels off and we've experienced that before but we kept going at it and then we hit the right mark and all three of us, we didn't even have to say anything. We were like, this is it. And that happened multiple times in the, in the making of this record, which is such a cool feeling to experience when all three of you hit an idea and you're like, there's no dar- doubt in our mind that regardless of what other people think of it, this is what we want to do. I'll also plug, um, if you're listening <laughs> Damn, to this. that was good. That was good. Um, Give me chills. I'll, I'll also um, I'll also plug this. Uh Never, you'll never oh, wear my. Plug su- away. You'll never plug wear my away. sweaters out. August eleventh, our second single, Marie, is out, September first, and then I'll just even announce the last one because I'm sure we'll be posting about it before then. But the last single, Momentary Paradise, is out September fifteenth on all streaming platforms. The whole EP out September 29th. And can they find it anywhere you can listen to music? Anywhere, Apple anywhere. Music, Spotify, YouTube, title. Oh, I. So I was just going to add one thing. For those who don't know, I moved to Nashville at the start of this year. So this this was this project really was the first thing we've done all together in Nashville. So it really reflects our newfound interests, new genres, new experiences in that city. But we thought it would be fun to throw it back. So the album cover is actually shot here in Chicago on what street was it that we take LaSalle. So, okay. yeah. yeah, and we kind of okay. made it like a throwback 50s vibe. So we're paying tribute to both of our cities that we love. No, that's good. Um, do you mind if I if I dwell on something for oh, a second? Oh, no, go dwell. I just go I dwell. Just, this is something that Wait. I don't think dwell. <laughs> he gave me the green light. All right, all right, okay, <laughs> let's go. Um, no, 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 something that I don't feel like we give enough credit to is Adam's decision to move down to Nashville. Like, like we we don't talk about how integral that was to the band um, because our me and Reese's first year in Nashville. Um, Adam was flying down, um, all the, all the money he had, he spent flying down for the big gigs, you know, um, which is crazy. It's crazy. And that on its own is just, we were, we were cray cray. Yeah. And we didn't really know what the future of it was going to be, you know? Um, and we all, we all wanted to do it, you know? Um, oh, let's go with Huey Lewis in the news. Is that not what you're going for? No, no. Yeah. It's definitely the same vibe. Yeah. 
Yeah, old I think school. The early, yeah, early 50s, 60s pop. I think totally. when we were designing it, the, we're talking about the album cover, by the way, but I think our, <laughs> our, yeah, our biggest influence for that, I think, was, or one of the biggest ones, was the Please Please Me record by the Beatles. So that kind of fun little you could swipe too vibe. Uh, but what I was talking about with, with Adam is just like that, that first year in Nashville with, with me and Reese was, it was great, but it, if he didn't move down, who knows what have, what would have happened? Because that whole thing where he's flying down would not have been sustainable. Oh, the Dua Lipa story! Oh my gosh, Adam, go ahead. So what made me move down was I saw Dua Lipa at uh, Lala Twenty Two. Yeah. Yeah, and right after the show, it was a culmination of things. But the Dua Lipa show was fantastic. And after I got off the Metro train ride in Geneva, I told my mom, "I'm like, I got to move to Nashville. This playing a live show is all I could think I could do." Dude, that was a show and a half. It was. She put on a banger performance. <laughs> yeah, I was, that was awesome. He was fall. Just, he was falling over. Oh that. my god, <laughs> I did not. Uh, I c- I couldn't stop saying that entire set, and we'll get back on you guys. But no, nah, but Dua Lipa. No, let's talk I about kept, Dua Lipa. I kept saying to my one buddy that I was with, I was like, I don't know how kids or like people's heads weren't exploding with how hot she was. I was like, Are you kidding me right now? I was like, what is going on? She looked like gold dust from the WWE and just was belting out bangers left and right. And and some people weren't even dancing. I'm like, how? How can you do that? How is your body not just going to at least tap a foot? I mean, yes, but even regardless of all that, just just the the band, like Adam just said, was phenomenal. She sounded like the record. It It felt like a performance. Like we were talking about, it felt like... A huge show. Yeah, it felt like a show, not just some people playing music. That's where, so, like, that is one of the things where even if you don't know her music and you go to a show like that, you're going to end up having a good time. The only other time I can really think of that is when I saw Beyonce. Dude, I like Beyonce just as much as the next person, but I'm not, like, a Bayhive member. I don't think she's that great. That show when the curtains dropped and she had, like, an 80-piece marching band, I was like, okay, yeah, I can get on board with this. Like, yeah, I can watch this for the next two hours. Like, yeah, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm gonna enjoy this. This is gonna be fun. Yeah, I love the huge productions and stuff because it's like it's like musical theater where it's like it's a huge production, it's mm-hmm. a huge show. I love that. Yeah, I mean, we'd been pressuring Adam to come down to Nashville. I know I was, I was, yeah. I mean, I was getting out of like every day, and he was. There was a week where he's like, I can't do it. Then there was a week where he's like, I really want to do this. And then Lollapalooza, we were at the Dua Lipa show. You were taking the train home. I think I was staying somewhere in the city, and you just texted me. You were like. Dude, I gotta move to Nashville, and I was like, "Yes!" So that was that was a beautiful moment. Yeah, we, I mean, I'll be honest. I'll be talking to Adam here for a second, but I don't know where I would be personally if you didn't move down, because like I've, I, I, yes, the band hopefully would be continuing, but I don't think it would be where it was if you didn't move. Oh, this is so, so nice, guys. I'm about I to cry. Just, <laughs> I just, I really appreciate that sacrifice that you made. Because oh, and I, it wasn't. It didn't turn out to be a sacrifice because I realized the world is much bigger. Than you know my hometown, and, we've always and we played Brooklyn Bowl. I mean, it's all we just played the most shows we ever have up until that point. I mean, it really opened up the doors moving to Nashville. I I love the city, I love the people, I love the the venues. And holding on to Adam's thought, there is a song on the record, last track, Unsweetened Tea, that actually I believe, and Adam, you could speak for it as well, that really encompasses Adam's experience of moving to Nashville. It's the last song on the album. It's a it's a great track to really close it all out. Yeah, well, and and it's we kind of went for some bittersweet vibes too, um, just because Adam, like it was, it's not easy for anyone moving out of state. But me and Reese were at least 
um, had the whole shelter of, of school and stuff like that and the dorm rooms like like Adam he, you're still doing like online school and oh, stuff yeah, like that yeah. but you weren't moving down into a dorm and and having class and stuff like you moved down got an apartment got a job and worked your ass off like that was yeah shout out Promic and Shashan I found him on Facebook uh, looking for a roommate so I roomed with two people I never met before it was it was crazy it was the craziest thing I've ever done in my life but I will look back upon that as a great moment in my life it was fan- it was fantastic it was a wild ride i think and now we're all living together i do think it's cool but i think that we're missing one little part they're like moving down to nashville for a couple <laughs> years in college doesn't sound too bad to me no, <laughs> like no i would just, agree i'm just saying no. it's not like it's not like you guys were calling up down to antarctica <laughs> we're going to it's nashville just a big commitment though no no know? i, I yeah, get yeah, that yeah. i get that no yeah, I was gonna say, you're, are you the first person, and at least your close family, to move out of state? Yes, I'm also the first person in my family ever to go to college. There you go, there you go. Clap it up, snap it up. Um, all right, let's stay on the topic of hey, hello, hi, or what is hey, it again? Hi, hey, hi, hey, hi, hi, hello. Yeah, there was some confusion um, in our circle at first too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what's um, the order? Let's talk about a little bit of the album structure. Did you guys have any thought into that of the album structure? Did you kind of want it to flow into anything, kind of have an overall yeah. theme? Or uh, I talk think, to me about that. I think uh, just overall, very quickly, like, hey, hi, hello. The whole thing, kind of like my idea, especially with the name of it too, was we. it's been so eclectic for so many years. And even this even this record, I feel like there's so many cool ideas that you could really pick out. The hey, hi, hello is like, it's just a greeting like, hey, this is Keith the Eleven. This is what we are. And that that's exactly what the album name is. Um, big thing is, all of us wrote two songs from each each this record. So first that was two, a game changer for yeah, us. Yeah, which is really really cool. Kind of like you were saying prior was, you know, when we have different influences, how do we do that with this record? You know, we would bring pretty much like songs that were like semi complete, and we would keep the Elevenify is what we call it to really really kind of make it our own sound. Yeah, we still we still all wrote them, but we all kind of stemmed from like I said earlier. Some of them were very close to being finished some of them were bare bones riffs but we still each brought two ideas to the table and that's what we did when we were talking about spending time in my dorm room three four hours a day for two months like we were bringing those together and like you just said keep the 11 them and turning them into yeah i really think uh hey hi hello reflects our musical education too we all grew up listening to classic rock we're all vinyl heads so we grew up with these classic, you know, blockbuster 70s albums, vinyl. So everything we do, we want to have that same experience. Beatles, White Album, Abbey Road, all these classic albums, Led Zeppelin, they all tell a story. So with everything we do, I think we really try to, we put a lot of thought into the track order, really. Yeah, and one, one of the big things that we kind of didn't know how to attack for a while with, with previous records and stuff, too, we were like, even if we embrace this difference of sounds, how are we going to make it cohesive? You know, because that's a big part of, of records that are out is that has to have some sort of common theme. And I think we're still going to um, improve upon that. But I think one of the things we should speak on is just the fact that we did spend all that time together within such a condensed period. We didn't. Yeah, we had kind of individually come up with ideas over a couple years. But when it came to making those songs together, super tight all within the span of a couple months and i think that added 
there's no way you can pinpoint why that is, whether it's a sound thing or personal playing, but something about it just made it feel like a record, not just a collection yeah, of eclectic I mean, songs. Yeah, I would get off work, they would get off class, we would meet up at his place every day, this hot room, it just... Well, technically, you're not even allowed to have band practice, so I would hook them up. You could have, like, individual drum practice or whatever, but I'd hook them up to the interface, and we'd basically put the bass, guitar, and vocals in DI, so if an RA's walking past or something, they'd just hear the drums. So we were doing everything we could to make this work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I, li- I like... <laughs> <laughs> for a music school, there's no place for bands to practice. We're like, well, see that to me is like mind blowing. I thought like nuts. the dorms would just be like a concert every night. Um, so real quick, let's go back to I. So I didn't know you guys are vinyl people. Oh okay? yeah. As as you can look, I got a record player up here. I got all my vinyls done there. I'm wondering this: if this has any uh, anything to do with why you structure your albums almost like a story or have a flow to them. So, like, one of the reasons I love vinyls is because it forces you to listen to the full album. I think listening to a full album is very important because there are certain albums that, don't get me wrong, there's certain albums where you could just pick up a song and it's an absolute banger and it slaps and you could do it. But there's something about when you hear it from top down, A side, B side, and the whole thing, like, flows together and you're like, what the heck? And there's like nothing better than listening to a good like record and you get to the B side and you have to like rush to flip it because you don't want like you don't want it to lull too long before the next song plays. So does that did that have anything or am I overthinking that that might be just be a me thing? No, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love like I I have to listen to it once and I get like O C D about it. It's like, oh I gotta flip it right now and I that's why I don't like double albums as much. I love double albums, but I just love that the whole thing's on this one disc. Mm. You can pick it up and look at it. Sorry, I sound like an old head, but I will. I will say we did definitely. We always think about how it would be like released because we are such big vinyl heads that when we did release the, you know, when we did submit it and when we made the whole album, like we made sure that the track listing was, you know, what's the, you know, what's the most powerful song to like really just be like, okay, whoa. But then we finish it with like, I say the best message. So it's like the whole song kind of just goes through this whole wave mm-hmm. of emotions and every song has a totally different message or songs that are very like against certain things. And there's other songs that are like, I, I mean, I'll say this, it's the most personal record that we've ever made by far, by far the most personal songs I would say too. So, so let's talk, let's talk about that for a second. So going personal about it, like it's kind of a, you know, it's a vulnerable thing. You're taking your own thoughts, emotions, feelings, and putting them out there for people to listen to. Does that change anything when you're writing it? Does it, does it become a harder process, an easier process? To an extent, it's natural. Yeah, Adam, go ahead. Yeah, it is natural. Like, it has to happen that way because that's just your antenna picks up the idea. But it is it does make it a little more painful. I mean, you, you, you grow with the song as you learn it and you develop it and play it. And, yeah, it, it, is, it can be tough depending on the message of it. And it's nice that we're all going through similar, th- I mean, we're all the same age, we're all going through a lot of the same transitions, and I think if me personally were to kind of put a theme on the record, it's it's almost like a coming-of-age record. Like, yeah, there's a song about the music industry, there's a song about girls, there's a song about moving away from home, but all of them, I feel like, have this recurring theme of, like, we're we're going through some shit you know what i mean and we're trying to adapt to it as we go along but it's honestly very relieving as someone who grew up not really talking to my talking to people about my problems like no like therapist or anything so it's honestly kind of a relief 
and once the songs are done it's uh, it's a very proud feeling uh, no better feeling really i'm gonna play devil's advocate i'll be honest with you when i actually showed uh, my significant other uh, a song that she definitely played a big influence in it she didn't really like it at first so that was a really really big factor for me because it's you know something that i've dumped like a year of like my whole mental being and lyrics and just you know the whole song and when it kind of comes out and you're just like oh you know someone else has an opinion about it so it's different yeah see like i i'm i was kind of thinking like i'd be in the boat of like where you're at where you know it's not the easiest thing to always open up and talk about the things that you're feeling that aren't good um but the fact that you guys are doing it and like i i know i keep saying it but it, it's it's just true it's like you guys are young but you your production value your stage value your songwriting playing it doesn't show it but you're not uh, i'm trying to think of the best way it's like i've told adam this before you guys aren't ever trying to be not you and so it comes off still authentic which is a very hard thing and i think that that's one of the things you guys got going for you is that it is authentic you guys aren't trying to be something that you're not you're not trying to be like hey this band has a number one we got to write a song just like this you're sticking to it one of the things that we were talking about earlier that's really standing out to me that i you know i, I didn't know any of this until we were talking now but when you guys are talking about how things are changing in your life genres certain things that you're bringing in as influences it's one thing and it would be so easy to just run from those and just be like no man we do this type of music. We stick to this. We don't bring in outside things. We're not going to grow. And that's just like, that's awesome. That's crazy. I don't know how the heck you guys do it. You're way more mature than I am, and I'm a decade older. That's not a good way to say it. I, should just say <laughs> I ten, don't think ten, so. Ten years sounds, I know it's the same, but it sounds better. Yeah. Like, I'm only ten years old. A decade sounds like, oh, that's you're, you're up there, man. Um, so this might be a hard question. Don't have to answer it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You got to answer it. Do you have a favorite song off the upcoming album? I'm going to go ahead and say I don't have a favorite song. I don't know, man. I do, I do have a favorite song, but I will piggyback off what Reese just said, that this collection of songs is the most conflicted in a good way I've been on any of our music dropped. Like, in the past, there were songs I wasn't as proud about, but this album, any given day, any of them could be my favorite. I'd say my favorite is a song called Marie, which is a Reese penned number, and I believe that's the song you were talking about. Yeah, it, it was. I just we brought in a lot of world music influences with the rhythm section, and it has a great pop chorus that makes me happy every time we play it. So that's probably my favorite. Yeah, I think writing favorites uh, and playing favorites. Is, is a little bit different for me on this record. So I don't know if I could just like pick one favorite. Marie's definitely a fun one to play live because that one was a song where I was like, I want to, I'm sick of playing these normal backbeats, fast, slow, whatever. So I'm going to have some fun with it. That was a lot of um, Stuart Copeland influence for me personally. Um, so the ones like like that one and Do You Want to Change the World are, are fun ones to play. Um, because they're a little bit different drum-wise than things that I've tried before. Um, and then there's a song called Shapes With Hands that was our definitely our, our biggest musical experiment, yeah, departure that we've done in the past. So that one's always a, a thrill to listen to just because it's like, wow, that's us. Like three years ago, I could not have imagined us playing something like that. So 
the long, the short answer to it is I probably can't pick one, but. Those are good politician answers right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, like right. I like them all equal. I like them all equal. I like them all. I know, I Run like them all. The question. I'll never pick. I'm, I'm the guy that wants to give you an answer, but I genuinely just can't think of no, that's, number one. that's fair. I said it was hard. I said it was hard. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. It's like, who do you love more, your mother or your father? I was going to say, it's you know, like it's, a, picking a favorite child. Yeah, you know, it's a hard one. Oh, they all have a favorite kid. <laughs> um, um, okay, so it wouldn't Your kid's going to listen back to it that wouldn't, in a couple of years. It wouldn't, yeah. Well, not if I only have one. <laughs> <laughs> then they'll just be like, oh, I have to be. Um, okay, it wouldn't be a beer league episode if we did talked a little nonsense. Yeah, let's okay? do it. We got to talk a little bit of nonsense. Yeah, I was expecting this. So the one thing that we do on this show during the off season of sports is obviously we we have mutual musical guests on, and a question that we actually do and we've done it on the normal is called over under, where I give a topic and you're going to have to say something that is overrated, something that is underrated. Okay. Okay. Ooh. And this one I made specially for you, for you guys, musical artists. Who is an overrated or underrated musical artist? It could it could be like a band, it could be a rapper, it could be a singer. <laughs> overrated, I'll start Pearl Jam. Oh, wow. Mm. I as a as a massive fan Look of Look at that. Yeah. As a ma- yeah. <laughs> that is a Okay. As a as a massive fan of grunge music, I personally think they're like the worst out of like the Big 5, the Big 10 out of alternative music. I think they have two good albums. I think V's and 10 are both great albums. I love songs off both those albums, but I do not think they could be held at such a standard that you put Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. I don't even think Eddie Vedder, if you hear this, we love you so much, though. Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> hey, how's Reese's answer? Not mine. Um, yeah, no, that's a hot take. And that's why we do over under. Let's go Will and then Adam. I mean, this is just where my brain goes to. Maybe it's just because of my personal um, preferences, but but seeing Drake, like as being one of the biggest artists in the world, I've. I'm like, all right, just okay, you know. <laughs> say Drake's overrated. Say it. He's overrated. Oh. Uh, um, I'm gonna go under. I just said Pearl Jam, like, yeah, nothing <laughs> I can say is hot after that. Everything's on the table. If you're yeah, Pearl Jam. I do. I like Pearl Jam. Um, I'm going to go underrated, but I'm going to say... Now, keep in mind, this man has sold millions of records. He's one of the most famous people on the planet when what he was alive. We're doing over under? I'm going under. We're doing over now, and then we'll go All under. over first? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. sorry, guys. I'm a page behind. Over, <laughs> um, overrated. <sighs> Skrillex. Skrillex? Yeah. I just Overrated? Never, like, as much as I heard the like his name, like, I don't know. I just can't really get into that type of... I disagree. Is that the so genre I, as a whole or the artist? The scr- like for as much as I've heard his name, like I'm not. Dude, he's a huge influence for all EDM. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But my thing, it's like, like, have you listened to any of the new albums? No. Oh, dude, Quest for Fire is an absolute banger. Yeah. The other ones, eh, the other ones, okay. I think Skrillex is like perfectly rated because he's more known for like pioneering the industry. Or for like that genre than being like the best in it. To and I be, th- to be fair, I, think I, that's fair. I haven't given him his discography a fair shot. I'll give you a take. He's like this. He's like the Beatles of EDM. I'm not even kidding you. What? What about Kraftwerk? Kraftwerk? 
That's nowhere near EDM. Is the roots? Of it was it, the though. it was the oh roots. No, I'm not talking roots. I'm just saying like you know you talk like the Beatles, Beatles are roots. Okay, whatever. Maybe. Fist fights are about to break out over here, man. Okay, so I'll I'll, I'll can I join in? You yes. Guys cool if I play. Okay, so my <laughs> biggest overrated. I've been saying it for years. It's the Beatles. And here's oh, all right. No, 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 no. I'm going home. I'm going home. No, but you got to hear why. Nope. I'm listening. I I have to listen. You got to hear why. Let me before. Before before I hear your answer, have you listened to like at least three of their records in full? I've taken a class on the Beatles. I like the Beatles. But did you listen to like their entire discography? I feel like you you got to hear before. You got to hear why though. Because I like their whole discography discography of the Beatles. Yeah, just making sure. But here's why I think the Beatles are overrated. Nope. Everyone, everyone that is young will say that they are the best band in the world with never hearing any more than like two songs. And that irks me to my core. I probably hear more people that say they aren't the best band in the world these days. And that's why I have to uh, tell still, people to listen to the their full discount. Where they're just like, who's the best rock band ever? And then people will just say the Beatles. And I'm like, oh, you like the Beatles? Because I do like the Beatles. So I'm like interested. Like, oh, what do you like? And they're like, oh, like I've heard Blackbird. And I'm like, okay, and? and they're like, that's it. And it's like, no, so you're just being told. That they're the best band. They might actually be the okay, best band in the world. I get that. I get that. <laughs> do you I get, mean, I'm glad you're not. Do, do you get what I'm saying it. though? Yes. Like that's why I think they're overrated because they have this thing well, where have. people don't actually even listen to them and they say that they're the best. I think they are perfectly rated, if I'm being completely honest, because they are one of the best rock bands that have ever graced this world. But the fact that people that have not even listened to them will just say that they're the best ticks me off in a way that I just like cannot understand. Let, okay, let me throw this out there. There are I will not name names, but there are massive artists out in the world right now doing particularly large tours, bringing in lots of people, um, and chance. their fans can't stand them. And I'm not even a fan of this person's music. But can't I, the Beatles I can't, or the person. I can't. This this is an artist today that I'm talking about. I have, but I have they a point can't of, stand the Beatles or the person touring. The, no, no, no. I can't stand the fan base, right? Oh. But I'm saying oh, that Beyonce. I that I can't. No, no, no. Any but, house music. No, I won't say it. Say it. My my point is that I'm trying to make. I can't judge. I can't. Uh, no, that's actually they're whispering people. That's actually not who I'm talking about. But regardless, I can't. I can't judge the artist's music based on their fan base. So I think you have to take that in. You know what I mean? Like, because people are weird about the Beatles saying they're the best when they haven't listened. Like, I totally get that. But I don't like large fan bases of big artists. And I don't even like the artist, but I can't judge them based on that following. You get what I'm saying? No, no, I get it. That's the whole point of this. I just want to know who you're talking about. Because I think I know who it is. Yeah. It's Taylor Swift, okay. man. I, that, was gonna, that was my second guess. How are you not a Swifty? Adam's a big Swifty. I'm not personally so a Swifty. That, see, that's a weird thing because I don't know any like hardcore Taylor Swift fans. Maybe it's an age group thing. I mean, you're ancient and we're no, pretty young, so. That was low. That was low. <laughs> yeah, relax there, William. In my own home, I'm getting accosted. I'm just so breaking So it's Taylor Swift. Okay. Um... <laughs> See, that's a weird one for me because I've never even come close to listening to a whole album of hers. Right. It's not good. But also, let's be honest. She, her music is not made for me. 
Yeah. Right. Like that's she's where not, I'm at. She's not making those songs being like, oh, man, if this if this thick white boy in the Midwest, <laughs> oh my this God. one's for him. This one's for him. This one goes out to Joe. And I get like, no, I know that. Um, but no. And then I also think it, the last thing, the Beatles have some fucking duds. Oh, they got some duds. They got album. some duds. Yeah, they got the some album. duds, and people will just be like, oh, it's the greatest song there ever written. The, like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Wow. Because they have written some of the songs of the greatest songs that ever written. And it's like, I wish people with music were more like sports fans. In the sense that, I let's think of someone that I love. Oh, I love uh, one of my favorite uh, football players currently is Justin Fields. Not just because he's the quarterback of the Bears, but I followed him in college. Even though I hated Ohio State, I liked him. And then, like, he says some dumb things, and it's just like... And then I will talk shit about him, or he will mess up, and I will be the first one to be like, dude, that was terrible. Like, when it comes to music, and I'm also guilty of it, like, when some of my favorite artists, they put out, like, a dud album or a dud single, and I'll be like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Like, you you just need, like, a couple extra listens. I just want people to be honest. There's a couple of songs that it's like, they're not the best. Everyone knows they're not the best. But no one will say they're not the best because they're just the I Beatles. I, I can see that. I just think it's important to to understand the context of the situation because for a, a for a band that broke as much ground as it did, I did say that you had to hear me out first I before you. I said anything. Right? Didn't yeah. I say that? You said that. I I just think that um, yeah, there's there's some stinkers in every experimental band's discography. Um, but if you take in the context of the situation, like anyone that's trying to do something new, yeah, there's a good shot. Like the only people to do something brand new have done something completely out of the realm of what most people would think is good. And it's every once in a while, one of the, uh, those ideas are caught on like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I'm not trying to be one of those people you're talking about in terms of Beatles fans, but I think it's important any band that's that important is going to have that because it's purely for the sake of experimentation. And I'm, I'm glad you actually said that. I'm the biggest Beatles fan in the world, but like there are some duds and the production. Like Beatles fans need to admit it's not pleasurable listening to the Beatles on one ear pod and all you hear is like a weird, you know, sound effects. And it's like, all right, what were they doing? Like Breaking boundaries. They man. also did a ton of drugs during a couple of their albums, so yeah. it didn't help. Um, okay, let's go to Magical Mystery Tour bangs though. Let's go. <laughs> I have a que- I have a question for you, yes. Joe, really quick. What do you think of Aerosmith? So, all those bands, I like, don't love. If I didn't say Pearl Jam, I would have said Aerosmith. Yeah, I agree with you. That's fair. I agree with that. Okay. okay. So I can see that the Pearl Jam. I'm just a. This yes. is my exact thing to the Beatles. I'm a I love Pearl Jam, so that to me makes yes, no sense. 100%. And I will defend I them. I totally and I don't blame super Beatle fans or even fake Beatle fans for defending them. I get it. I'm just like, dude, they made a ton of music. They had a couple of stinkers. Happens to the best. Happens to the best. If you're around long enough, all right, all right. you can't win them all. Stay on this Beatles thing because <laughs> I will unleash. I'm just saying. But yeah, no, Aerosmith, like, yeah, 
Like, give me pretty much any other. Yeah, give me. Yeah, I would agree. It's like they got hits, but it's like I, for the amount of fame that I think they've gotten, I'm just like, I don't see it. I just don't get it. They do have some great records. Though. They do. They do. Like, like the Rocks, Toys in the Attic. Yeah, yeah. They got some good tunes. Um, I'll, oh, I, I want to give you a, a good example. Now, we're not going to stay on Beatles, but I want to give you another one. So it's like, you sure, we're not going to stay here, on Beatles? Here, the fans that I like the most, and I'm not the biggest fan. I've listened to the discography, but I wouldn't consider myself the biggest fan. I'm talking about Led Zeppelin. I like all of Led Zeppelin. Or I've, I haven't liked some, but their fan base, I will tell you right now. You stop now. They are the most honest people in the world when it comes to live shows of past performances. And like talking about the like rift between the band where like why they broke up and stuff. And they're very honest about it. And they don't they don't try to be like, eh, come on. But that fan base to me is very honest. And they're like they never try to push it down your throat as much. And they're just more like, I like it. If you don't, eh, who cares? And I like that. The fake Beatles fans that try to push it down your throat that oh, it kills me. It kills me. It murders me. So William, I don't get w- it. William's the opposite I, of both I, of those. I, 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 See, <laughs> hey, 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 come on now. Come on now. William's a huge Led Zeppelin They're fan. I would one. say he's really honest. I wouldn't say you shove things down the throat, but sometimes. <laughs> uh, no, I'll shove, things, I'll shove the Beatles down your throat. Zeppelin's my favorite band, but Beatles are, if you listen to their... And I'm a real fan that shoves it down your throat. Like See, I, I respect that. Yeah, that, that's I respect what I'm that. saying. I'm allowed to because I just, I've, to me, my perspective, what I love saying is that the only people that say they're not the greatest band of all time are people that haven't sat down and listened there. I was one of those people. I was in like, in first half of high school, I was like, yeah, they're, they're fine, but they're so overrated. It was like senior, junior, senior year of high school. I sat down and was like, I'm going to listen to every single album. By the end, I was flabbergasted, dude. I was like, there is not even a doubt in my mind that they are the most influential band of all time. <laughs> well, that's what he, he was literally talking did about, it, man. We were talking lead for a little bit. I'll never, I'll never be mad at a callback. I'll never be mad at a callback. Zeppelin's my favorite, and I and I know what you mean because I can understand. They're the greatest rock band. I say the Beatles are the greatest band. Zeppelin's the greatest rock band, and I understand that 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 ki- type of thing. You got blues rock, psychedelic rock, whatever it is. I can understand if that's not certain people's thing. I would still appreciate if people like respected it, but I can see Zeppelin not being somebody's thing more than the Beatles. I do like that my two points you showed in like real time. I was like, Beatles fans are a little bit more. Like down your throat, little man. Led Zeppelin fans are a little bit, <laughs> exactly. a little bit like calmer, and it was literally. I saw the I saw the Mister the Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde right there. And I, I have it. absolutely yeah, zero like regrets. Um, so let's go to underrated, or over underrated. Underrated, underrated yeah. Um, gosh, this could be a long list. Yeah, if someone has one, you can go before me. He's one of the most famous people on the earth. However, I think in general conversation, he is underrated. I'm going Prince. I would agree with that. I agree. I think Prince is underrated. Even though he's one of the most best-selling music artists of all time. Still underrated. He doesn't really get talked about. You only hear, like, Kiss played on the radio. I just, I, I feel like he should have been up there with Michael Jackson. I don't want to compare. Everyone makes this comparison. But I feel like in that context, he's underrated. Absolutely agree. Okay. Because I, 
He is the greatest solo artist to ever make music, ever. He is number one. He is unbelievably talented. His music, like, invented modern culture. I just think... Uh, hold on. I just, I just... I thought we just said I, the Beatles were the greatest thing ever. <laughs> what happened? I, I said solo artist, man. <laughs> I said yeah, okay. solo artist. My my point is... is Wait, is what your pick Prince? Yeah. Oh, you guys are both Prince in it up? Come back to me, Reese. What do you got? Um, gosh, underrated. I was. I got mine. If you want, yeah, me to you go. go first, Joe. I think uh, Childish Gambino is one of the most oh, underrated, just because of this. He has done what a lot of uh, rap and hip hop artists have tried to do for countless years, uh, and switch genres. Like Lil Wayne had a rock album, didn't go the best. Uh, Kid Cudi had Wizard, the rock band, didn't go the best. T-Pain just did a couple. Um, T-Pain is just very talented, though. Yeah, he's got a good voice. Like, he, he's just very talented, so kind of like when he tries it. But he also just brings his own style with it and kind of mashes it. I'm talking about going completely new style. Right. Childish Gambino did it flawlessly. Um, like seven times. And it was crazy. Like, from his first mixtape, Royalty, where it was just like straight rap to camp which was more like lyrical to because of the internet being like storytelling to awaken my love which was just like a complete genre flip and it's just like everything was good and it's just like not everything was great everything was good at least and that's a very hard thing where he's a super talented guy where people just kind of expect it to him and i think like that's one of the things that you guys probably will get more than the average bear is like being in this industry it's so hard to just switch on a dime like that. And it was impressive to see him do it. Cause I remember when he was like doing because of the internet and he was going to do more singing. I was like, well, that's weird. Mm. And then it worked. And then he's like, well now I'm going to do like this funk psychedelic album. And you're like, and I guess, it's and then it worked like, and you're just like, yeah. that's cool though. Like that's, I, I respect it. I guess it's thoughts like that, that provoked the whole like Drake is overrated thing is Cause when you got guys like that, in somewhat of the same realm, like like Gambino out there, and like Drake's the number one. It's like wow, look at look at and Gambino's still massive, but that's yeah. kind of the the point that I'm getting to, you know. Yeah, like I don't see why most of his songs, besides like Redbone and This Is America, can't be played on the radio. I got my underrated though. Let's hear it. So this is more of an underrated in America thing. Oh, I think the bo- I the boys already know where know, I'm going with I know this. It. Um. This is one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, let's put in Oasis. I I love Oasis. And before all you Wonderwall haters come out, listen to something. You know that Wonderwall. someone hates Wonderwall? <laughs> Who hates Wonderwall? Well, that's just such the meme. It's like you, everyone that gets out of guitars plays Wonderwall. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, be, it's oh become, I was like, it's be, I've never met a person alive that hates Wonderwall. It's become memefied because it's so overplayed. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those, it's like slow dancing in a burning room. It's like still great song, but it's like every jerk at a party who whips out a guitar is like, ooh, watch me play this. You know what I mean? They're both great songs. It's just become kind of a meme. Um, but uh, most of these people that hate on it have not, like I'll ask somebody, you know, are you an Oasis fan? They're like, and not really. And then I ask him, have you heard anything other than Wonderwall? And they're like, no. So Do you think it's because they've been broken up for so long? Maybe. I also just think it's... Talk about two brothers that sh- should just get their shit together. Well, it's it's Britpop. And Britpop was 
massive. Like, like I think it's, and I don't really know the effect of grunge um, in the 90s in the UK, but it's a similar thing in the sense of I don't think grunge was as massive there, and I don't think Britpop was as massive here. I mean, there's some great bands that came out. You got Blur, you got Oasis, you got The Verve, you got uh, uh, Stone Roses. Like, there's some great bands. And Oasis, no one would say that they're, they're underrated in the UK because they're massive over there. If they got back together now, they'd be doing like eight and eight nights sold out at like Wembley or something. They're massive over there. There's in the nineties, they were calling them bigger than the Beatles, you know, but over here for some reason, just people don't, people don't talk about them enough and they just, they're one of my favorites. They've got such a cool sound to it. They've also, uh, one of the things that I think people have gotten disinterested in is they're kind of like, daft punk where every year there's rumors about them getting back together yeah mm-hmm. and it's like even though daft punk isn't broken up they're just retired but it's like it's always People like are a little they're, sick of hearing they're gonna drama. they're gonna tour again like the brothers are they're gonna they're gonna rekindle the relationship and then it doesn't happen but this has been happening like for a decade and so it's like either do it or don't but like you gotta stop teasing us because like everyone would want to go see them um and it's just like at this point, when I hear the rumors, I'm like, okay, sure, okay, move on. Yeah, that's exactly. I think they will someday, but I'm sick of every time I open Instagram, just like, ooh, one of them said this. Maybe they'll get like, yeah, come on. And I, they grasp at so many straws. It'll be like one brother said that they still love them, but then like they just take out the next thing where it's like, I think he's a piece of fucking shit. Yeah, and you're like, okay. Uh, do you have your underrated? I can't. I, I'll be honest. With you, I can't really decide because I really, really liked your childish Gambino pick, and I, I really like that. It's a good call. It's a good call. And I was, I was thinking like, should I go like a, a producer route, kind of like what Gambino? So I was thinking like Pharrell. But I'm like, no, Pharrell's pretty. Like, I feel like he's well known. I will say one artist that I feel like has gotten a lot of hate. I feel like in your times and even my parents' time, it's a band that I just saw at Wrigley Field is just the Grateful Dead in general because i feel like a lot of people would think like they're total snoozer band total stoner band i think a lot of people really should go back and listen to some of their stuff because i think there's jazz influences there's blues influences there's a lot of stuff that i think a lot of people have completely forgotten about and i'll be honest even i kind of forgot about because when i saw them i was like holy crap this band is amazing so i'll say the critical dead they're one of the bands so my brother's my middle brother and yeah he is a ginormous dead he actually he went and like travel. He's seen them so many times. He just traveled like three states to go see them this year on their last tour. The Dead to me is not my type of music. It is not my favorite thing, but they have my respect for everything uh, that they've done. And Garcia being the guitarist that he was, R.I.P. I mean, like that, I can at least respect. And I've never had like, even though I don't love them, like there's some songs that I really enjoy, but for the most part, I'm not the biggest fan of it. But it's like, I can see it. And so I do, for that, I get what you're saying with, like, underrated. By the way, did you know Pharrell has produced the Grammys, like, 40 times? I did not. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That is, that's pretty cool. Yeah. When they, he, he had, like, a anniversary for, like, doing it for, like, 20-plus years in a row, and I was like, what? Well, I don't even know that. That was a legend, yeah. man. I didn't even know he did it that's once, nice. let alone it was, like, yeah, you his 20 second time. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. And people, he, and people forget about Nerd, that band he was in Nerd. Ooh. What did nerd stand N-E-R-D, for? N e r d. Um, I don't know what it stood for, but yeah, it has a point. Oh no, I used to know it. No, oh, someone get it. the Google out, I'm man. Google it. I literally found a nerd poster. Jay, hold that up. 
I know. Um, <laughs> no, we got to look this up. I can't. People why? forget how much like music that guy also writes for other people. I don't think people understand that guy wrote um, "Forget You" by CeeLo Green. What? That's a Pharrell. I mean, that's no, no. My bad. That's a Bruno, Bruno Mars, Mars song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Now that you brought his Talk name, talk about underrated artists. He's not underrated. But he's honestly the most properly rated artist of our time. Like everyone likes Bruno yeah, Mars. Maybe underrated songwriter. Have you ever met someone who doesn't like Bruno Mars? Yeah, I don't. Th- I think he's he's got well, enough Grammys. Well, I think yeah, but as rated. as a songwriter, like people don't realize, like you just said, people don't realize he's written a lot of songs that other people had hits. Like everyone knows his hits, but not everyone knows the songs that he's written. Do we have? Uh, maybe it doesn't stand for anything. <laughs> no, but and Pharrell's one of those guys that doesn't age. Like uh, Michael Sarah is one. Yeah. Um, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. No one ever really dies. Oh. I remember it. Oh, okay. I remember it. I was like, dude, how can I forget this? Yeah, no one ever really dies. Um, okay, so that was a really good. Let's go over to the rank. So we're going to do a draft, okay? We're going to go in an order. We're going to do a snake draft. It is going to be a person, band, artist that you would want to see dead or alive. We are going to do the draft order is going to go clockwise, starting with Will. So you'll get two picks, and then we'll go back this way. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're just taking drafts of artists that we would like to see there. Man. Put you get two f- picks? Uh, no, he gets – we're snaking. Yeah, yeah, That's That's really – so my brain wants to go one place, but I, I can't answer this question without saying Zeppelin. Like, they're my favorite band. I can't out. believe he didn't – I so can't believe you didn't go Beatles one more. <laughs> I can't. Well, the I, Zeppelin's I, thought I, I thought I was laying them up. <laughs> well, think about it. Beatles didn't play live for the last six years of their career. So it'd still be amazing to see them in person. But, like, Zeppelin was more known for a live band than he was. That's fair, yeah, they was You couldn't even hear the Beatles back then, they say. Yeah. So the PA wasn't loud enough. Cause, so no one really knows what they would have sounded like live during Sgt. Pepper. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Yeah, I would I, of course I would love to see him, but if I'm if I'm drafting with my with my scouts behind me, you know they're telling me Zeppelin. I'm feeling Daft Punk on this one, and specifically the 2007 Alive era. The fact that they're broken up is very sad. Yeah, no, that's a good one. That was on my list. Um, this is going to be one of the things that I'm super jealous of Adam's father for being able to see uh my number one you know what it is I think so. what do you think it is no you say it, I don't uh sublime yeah. oh good pick sublime. Reese, sublime. you saw sublime with rome right i did at right sublime um and the reason it's on my dead or alive because technically you see sublime and Ro- with rome it's not the same bradley noel was the heart and soul if i could see and obviously he died before the album came out but if I could see a Bradley Knoll Sublime play Sublime. The whole album through. Talk about an absolute banger. Garden Grove is one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, I actually, a quick funny story. I was in a, um, we went to a bachelor party two weeks ago. And my one buddy who was getting married, me and him like bonded over when, I've known him since we were eight. But we like, we bonded over like our love of Sublime because both of our parents listened to it. And I remember, uh, so the first night we like put him in and we were wondering like, oh, what song to play? Or cause we were like putting him in the karaoke and we we're like, what song should we pick for him? So we picked what I got 
And then the next night we went to this tiny dive bar. Man, there was like four people in it. And so we put Garden Grove in there. And I wanted to play his favorite song is Bad Fish. And they didn't have it. I was like, dude, you're a karaoke guy. Can't you just Google it? <laughs> now, did you pick what I got? The electric version, the acoustic version, acoustic one. Oh, the reprise oh. at the end. Okay, see, I had to ask. No, no, good, no. Oh yeah, that's a good. That's a that's a good one. The only part that stinks on that, if you're listening to it like on the recording, is that one little like screech in the middle that I don't like. And you would think like after listening to it or listening to it so many times that I'd be ready for it, but I'll just be like, oh god. But um, Garden Grove, that's it's such a cool album. Oh my too. god, it's we such took a this trip to dude. It's Garden it's Grove. it's the best way to start off an album. It's just the the note on the synth mm-hmm. too, dude. I'm thinking ahead in this draft, and it's Whoa, stressing no, me out. No, no, no I'm just, I'm just putting it out <laughs> no, there because no, no, I'll I'll, ta- I'll take that pick. Man. I'll take that pick. Um, okay, Reese, <laughs> uh, I would I'm gonna go with the in my opinion the greatest live performer of all time when it comes to a show. Michael Jackson would be my number spot one. on. That's a great pick. I don't, I don't think that's you have a to, great pick. I don't think you have to you explain that. What, um, what era? I would. I what would, era? I would say the not. I would probably say the '96 dangerous, '94 to '96 dangerous tour oh. is what I would say. Be, be, and the reason why is be, okay. <laughs> Are you serious, bro? Did not even. <laughs> bro did not. Was he dangling kids out the window by then? Not by that. Was like semantics, Adam. Semantics. <laughs> All I'll say is the man's uh, dead. All I'll, all I'll say is he didn't have him. Once again, he did not have his live show, ever, not even figured out till '91, till Bad came. Like so it was very late till he had like everything figured out. That's fair. There's so, on the later albums. so I, I think for one, the concerts that I've seen, the Dangerous tour, even up until like even his later tours, like that was that's that's the best. To me, it sounds like Adam wants to go back and do overrated Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it sounded a little like being so, Prince fan. I love Michael Jackson. I love Michael. No, that's oh fair. All right, <laughs> uh, you got another one since it's a snake. And if I could pick my second, oh geez, um, that was a good pick with Sublime too. I I like that. That was a rare one. God, dead or alive, man. Now I'm, now I'm struggling. I had two. And I, I kind of went dead and alive with my pick because. Right. A little bit of both. Two of the three are alive. <laughs> Michael Jackson. There's such an obvious one that I thought he was going to take that he's not taking. And yeah. I hope that doesn't give him a hint. But I God, I don't know what like the right answer would be. I mean, like, I, I guess I, I don't there's know. No, there's no right or wrong answers here. This is a draft. Unless you say the Beatles. No, I. <laughs> hey, come on. No, be, no I, I'm clearly joking. Okay, I will no. walk home. Oh, you know home. what? This is what I would say. I can't decide between both of these artists. Well, you got four picks. Okay, I'm gonna for number two. I'm gonna go Talking Heads, and I'm, I'm okay. Gonna go, good and I'm pick. gonna go. That's a good one. And I'm I think go, that's a that's a great pick. And I'm gonna go Stop Making Sense era '85, and I don't really have to explain that. If you know the movie. You know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, please see it. We get a lot of our antics from the I was, movie. I was going to literally just say, a lot of our live show takes heavy influence from what they do. When they're so. remastering Stop Making Sense on yes. tape, right? So yes, it's going to be back in You're gonna some theaters. You're going to see it in August. It comes back out. Um, okay, let me for my next pick, can I set the stage for you guys? Okay. It's old times, my guy. It's old. It's back in the day. A lot of anticipation. You're at, you're at your house. You're suiting up. Not even a suit. You're getting full tuxedo. Frank Sinatra. I'm, I'm talking. Yeah. You go to a club. You sit down. You're just chain smoking cigarettes. You're chain smoking cigarettes and you're just down in scotch. And old Blue Eyes himself come out 
and just serenade you. You're telling yeah, me that wouldn't be, be one of the best nights of your life? Yeah. They would. No way. That was I mean, you pick. can't you can't go wrong with it's that. It's a fantastic pick. You know? Um, hmm. I'm gonna say like '90s Jay Z. Like hard knock life, like when that came out, it's the hard knock. Like I don't know, that would be hard. That'd just be hard. I know one of his most popular songs. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got it. The Andy, I, the I think, the, the I think that's, sample. I think that's a good pick. Yeah. I think that's a good pick. I am unbelievably shocked that I made it this far without anybody taking it. But give me Prince. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, give me Prince. Like there's, well, I knew there's no way you can't go. I mean, if if you haven't seen it, go look up. Let's go crazy, Prince live. It's at Syracuse, eighty, eighty four, something like that. And it is mm-hmm. like you watch that, you're like, this, this was a real live person. It looks like it should be in a movie, and yeah. it's just like, oh Absolutely. my gosh, what is going on? It's like he came down from the sky and just like, yeah, man, mm-hmm. that's my. As pick. a as a son of a as a son of two parents who've seen Prince, he, they said that he was good. Was that the artist formula, formerly known as Prince or Prince? <laughs> no, this was this was Prince. Oh, that's yep. just Prince. You know okay. What? You know what? My dad saw Prince on the Purple Rain tour, and he said the same thing, and it shocked me. He said it wasn't. He said top, it, was, it wasn't in yeah, his top five. It was good, which is crazy to me. Maybe I don't know. They saw he was there. Your parents were there, so they know. If I saw Prince, he could like, I don't know, like scream into the microphone for three hours, and I'd still think it's amazing. Yeah, I don't so know. How g- still give me Prince. Uh, you get uh, you have one more, and then you'll be our last pick because everyone gets four. Okay. Um, all right. I'm between two right now, but I think this is a better – this isn't my – I wouldn't go in this order, but I think this is just integral to my team. you got to go with Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah. yes. I mean, that's just – I'm a looking, I'm a liking the squad. I'm just saying. I'm a looking, I'm a liking. Yeah, I mean, who do, who would I have was my first pick? Zeppelin. So I got Zeppelin, Prince, and, and – uh, and Hendrix. It's a good list. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong. I'm gonna put in the Stones because I've never seen them, and you gotta see the Stones. I feel like. What now? I'll ask you what era of the Stones. Because <laughs> it's definitely not the no filter. There's era. a lot of them. I mean, obviously, I can only see them now as they are. But if I had to pick the era, Sticky Fingers. Yeah, man. With that zip cover, the the crotch. That's one of the most rock and roll images ever. When I was saying, I was just saying, like seeing them live though. Cause yeah, that, that tour is that era. a tour? Seventy one. Early 70s they were stones. Young whippersnappers. When there's like people getting fights breaking out, the Hells Angels or garden shows, that's when I want to see the stones. What? Say what you're going to say. No, no, man. I, I like it. Yeah. And I, a light bulb popped to my head of an artist that no one said yet. Oh, okay. All right, all right, that's all, all right. Um, Number three, and I think I'm getting a steal here in the third, boys. <laughs> Give me Queen. Oh, yes. That's a great call. Give me Queen. I wasn't going to go there, but that's. It's a great pick. Shoot the stars and pass Mercury on your way. I like that. <laughs> I'm telling you. That. Like, uh, come on. Like, Killer Queen Live would just be, oh. Like, everyone everyone says, like, oh, seeing Bohemian Rhapsody Live would be cool. I'm telling you, you give me some Killer Queen, <laughs> I'm balling, my guy. I'm balling. I think that's a good pick in the third round. I mean, my scouts were telling me to keep an eye on them, but I just decided they weren't the best fit for my team. No, no, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reese, you got your last two. Last two. I'm going to go. I feel like I have to. No, I see. I don't know now. Um, I'm going to go with a band that I feel like 
I've always heard that if you saw him live, it would change your life. And anyone had ever seen him live started a band because of them. Is it Velvet Underground? Velvet Underground <laughs> with Nico. I mean, they only played. I they played a show in Chicago. They were here, I think, for a whole week. Um, when Andy Warhol still managed them, um, I've heard amazing things about them. They would probably be my number third. And but imagine my, you pull up to a club and it's just them making noise for two hours. They play <laughs> <laughs> European Sun. <laughs> I like it. That's okay. Oh, he doesn't get it. Um, I would say, my, gosh, my number one, my number one pick, I can't decide. I would probably say. I would probably well, say. Well, it's your number four. Yeah, number four. It's my your number four. My yeah. last pick. I would say Pink Floyd in like the 72 Dark Side era, I would say. Nothing wrong with that. No, I don't think so. Nothing wrong with that. There's so many good picks out there that none of us have wrong answers here. You know what I mean? You you want to actually know a little take? I think Dark Side of the Moon uh, is not their best album. No, 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 no. Oh. I think that is an album that doesn't get enough credit, even though it's talked about so much. Really? I think it is it is dying down. Well, actually, no. Let me ask you guys this: You guys are in college. Do people still have like the Dark Side of the? Yeah. Oh, I they still do. I would say it still reigns supreme as the ultimate. Like, dude, this album will change your life. Okay. So it's yeah, no, I just dated myself again. Down. Yeah, maybe. yeah. No, I dated myself again. I haven't been in college in a while. I can't believe I forgot this, or any of us forgot this. But honorable mention, James. Oh, you still have a pick. Oh, I do. Oh, you're right. I do. Yeah, easy, my guy. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's coming well, back around. I, I heard yeah. that that's, and he still has a pick. No, that was that was my fourth. Oh yeah, that was okay, fourth. that was your fourth. Sorry. <laughs> the fact that you said that, and I know you're gonna get him now. Um. Okay, so we're going. This is my fourth. I am going. Oh. Do I have anyone alive? Um. I have Frank Sinatra, Sublime. Yeah, but I said Sublime with Bradley. Yeah, Noel. Brad is. Yeah, uh, said Queen, dead. Queen, dead. dead. Sort of, sort of, half and half. Yeah, I might have to find someone that's alive. Adam um, Lambert solo project. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, are you counting Adam Lambert Queen? No. Yeah, what, no, because it's what, the same thing with like what I said with Sublime though, like yeah. Bradley Noel. Like no, I, 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 I need the, I, totally the I need the heart. Well, do, you have, do you have a? Do you have and a, I even did I shooting stars. You, Fly past Mercury do you, line. Do you have an era of Queen? Like, are we talking like '85 Live Aid, or we're we talking like early Queen? Um, Sheer heart attack era. So the Live Aid one would be insane, just because the guy looked like he did a workout that whole show. But every every live performance that I've watched of him, he seems like he's putting on a show. Yeah. So I'm gonna just do anything before he got sick. Okay. I like it. Just because that that band. That's like what I was kind of saying about you guys. They didn't give a shit who they were playing in front of. Every they were show. almost like playing for themselves more than the crowd. They were like, this is what we like. They just happen to like it. So we're going to keep. Doing I that. think this speaks to your level of queen fandom that you just didn't default to live aid. And I respect that a lot. Yeah. Like, there's no, nothing, great there's performance nothing wrong with it. No, not at, not at it. all. But you just didn't default to it. You know, you were like, yeah, I think Wembley also the yellow coat. That's like the. Dude, I mean, come on, come on! It's I mean, just like he's just he's just he's Freddie, man. It just I don't know. I just like Queen's also a band where it's like, actually, you know what Queen is a band of, where a lot of people will say like, oh, I only know like one or two songs, and you'll be surprised when you play them more, and they're like, oh, I do know this one. Yeah, 
I do know this one. I do know this one. You're like, yeah. They're the ultimate band where you're like, oh, they do that? Yeah, it's Queen. That's true. Um, okay, let's. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone alive. I can only think dead right now. But um, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. God. Uh, oh, 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 he is dead. Dude, you're going through the motions. Dang it. Uh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Uh, Lincoln Park. Oh, oh Chester Bennington. I, I was a. Um, I am a huge. I have hybrid theory on vinyl. Um, that was actually one of the first bands that like, I remember going to a Barnes and Noble and my dad bought that CD cause he liked them. And then that's like, that's how I heard of Lincoln Park. And you know, my dad, so that's super surprising. And, uh, I just remember like love and hybrid theory. I'll tell you what, like when people look through my vinyl collection, that is the one where people are like, you have this? I'm like, yeah. And it's, it's still a hard slap. record to find. And you see, it, it, and it still slaps. And so, yes, I was trying to think live. Yeah, that's a great But I've seen a lot of live people that I wanted to see. Yeah. But yeah, okay. Respectable pick. My pick's going to be James Brown at the Apollo Theater in the 60s. Just because that's legendary. We got a a live video. A buddy buddy of mine uh, um, from school, his dad uh, has seen James Brown yet. In, in in the 20s like that like that's how many times um and he had a old disc of uh james brown live at the um some some stadium in boston back in 68 it was the day after martin luther king had been shot and there's there's a whole lot of historical context around it um i recommend watching the biopic get up with chadwick boseman in it phenomenal it talks more about it um but we have a live video of it and we watched it. It's, it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I mean, they, they start to, cause obviously people were riled up. I mean, especially in Boston. Um, and there were some people rushing the stage towards the end of the concert and, you know, police come out and stop and stuff like that. And James Brown personally tells the cops to go away. And he's like, he's like, let's, let's finish this concert. Like let's do it. He talks down the people rushing the stage and it, it feels like it's out of a movie, but it's just, it's amazing. See, I endorse that pick. No, that's a great pick. All right, you want to bring us home? I want to give some uh, some honorable mentions here. Just two honorable before mentions. Before your last before, pick? Before my last pick. Oh, okay. Before my last pick, okay. okay. Honorable mention, one, and it hurts me not to pick this, but Oasis in the 90s. I mean, just go watch live at Nebworth, live at Main Road, like any of those from the 90s. Um, some of just the coolest, like I get chills thinking about it. So that's one honorable mention. Another one, uh, 90s Green Day. Green Day is one of my favorite bands ever to see them when they're playing in those small clubs and their early records and stuff. It would kill to see that. Um, but the pick I'm going with that I knew I was going to be able to get it, get it on my last pick. I don't know. I don't know. I've take a guess. Take a guess. Am I allowed to take a guess? Take Beatles? a guess. The police? I totally trick. even forgot about that, but which is really Z-trip. bad that's look a, on me, but no. Did my, you say Z-Trip? I said Cheap Trick. Oh, Cheap Trick. And that's okay. another Sorry. That's <laughs> another, That's Good. another. Honorable, honorable mention. I mean, any of those. But I think the one that I'd be dumb not to pick is Miles Davis. Oh! I mean, I'm, I'm, I I'm a big jazz, jazz guy, and, and that's great, jazz is, is a live art form. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can throw on a record. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, but seeing... Of, and I, I played some jazz experience. Yeah. And I've learned from some great jazz artists and, and musicians and stuff and seeing it live 
it was something that you just it's it's you can't describe it and so i think seeing the master himself uh, in in any of his in any of his groups i mean the his first great quintet with philly joe and paul chambers um and red garland stuff phenomenal and then you get later with tony williams ron carter like herbie hancock on the keys any of those eras just seeing that group of now each individual member of his groups are like their own world-class musicians um to see them in a group on their own in their prime like that's about as good as it gets um i i have two honorable mentions i would say otis redding and um what the heck was my other one? Oh, uh tracy chapman that's a that's I a good know, I only know Fast Car. Do you have any recommendations to get me deeper into places? Uh just listen. <laughs> yeah, so I so I had this idea when I was in uh college. So I'm a huge my second favorite genre of music is late 90s, early 2000s alternative rock and I <laughs> and I came up with an idea where I was like I want to put on music festival of all the one-hit wonders, but that's the only song I can play. So it's just like it's like an hour long show, hour and a half, but it's like fifteen bands. So you got like Eagle Eye Cherry singing Save Tonight. You got Wallflowers singing One Headlight. Semisonic closing time. Oh, closing time. Oh Oddly enough, Anthony's wife is an actual Semisonics fan. And oh, yeah. And when she told me that, I was like, they made other songs. <laughs> she's like she's like, not only did they make other songs, they made albums and I was you know like, no a way. Band, you know what a band like that, multiple people, including Reese, have come to me and said that they're actually a great band? Smash, Smash Mouth. Mouth. I, I don't know a single Who doesn't thing. Doesn't like Smash I, Mouth. I don't know a single song other than All Star and I just assume <gasps> they were one of those. What, have one you never watched Shrek? Bands. No. I'm, I'm a I have believer. the one of, okay, I know that song too. You know what I mean? Um yeah, don't out me for having like not seen all the Shrek movies, but regardless, I only know those two songs. Um, and I thought they were just one of those bands, but my, one of my roommates from school and Reese were both like, they've got some killer records. And I'm like, fascinating. Mm. Oh, and then my last one is going to be counting crows. Mm. Okay. I've never cool. seen counting crows. I've seen smashing, but never counting. And then like two years after I saw smashing, they toured together. So I was like, oh, come on. Prime pumpkins would be cool. Metro era, you know, when they played here, was it 93? 93, okay. Tears for Fears in their prime. That would be cool, you know. I mean, the list Any goes on mentions? and on and on. Before before he was a POS, like college dropout era Kanye, I would love to see. Yeah. Dude, literally all of Kanye before he posted a swastika. <laughs> like, yeah. the guy just went insane. It's a shame, but that would be on my list. I would say... Uh, Johnny Cash. Mm. Oh, good one. Uh, That's a great pick, pick actually. Live at San pick. Quentin. Definitely would have killed to be there. Um, I think that's it for me. I don't know if I have any others. Um, okay. I actually have one question that I ask. I ask bands this question, and I ask DJs this question. How do you feel about the other one? What do you think of DJs? I love DJs. I'm loving the music they're doing, but I just no one can tell me what they do on stage. I've asked the question a million times, and they're like, they mix it. They're, they're, they're remixing. Like, but what are they doing? Like, I'm, I know they're doing something, but no one can explain it to me. I want to clarify that First he's not all, they're slandering. Not, they're not mixing or mastering up on there. On no, that's not what they do. All a DJ does when it's live on stage is he will 
they produce everything beforehand. They put it on a USB drive and they put it in there. And they might change the levels around a little bit or queue up the next song. But that's all they're really doing. That's why it's like if you see like uh, like an Odessa, for example. Odessa, Purity Ring. I'm trying to think of other like DJs that do stuff like that. Now, was, was Daft Punk different? No. Uh, they really? They had a couple. Like during their most famous tour, the Pyramid Tour. No, they were just DJs. Yeah, it was just it was but, like but a pre, that's, it was a that's what they mix. but like that's the one thing that people don't understand about DJs. It's they're more of like producers. They make the music behind during their live shows. They just yeah. play. Uh, but like like I was saying, like Purity Ring and Odessa, they take something to a different level where everything is on the beat pad and they play it that way. And even though it's not the same as playing the instrument, they actually do have a live band with them. But let's just say even if you take that away. To me, that's more impressive than just pressing play. Yeah, absolutely, and I respect it. I wasn't throwing shade at it. I just could never. I was always wondering what if they were doing anything. No, I'll throw shade. <laughs> somehow yeah, he's D- allowed. To somehow throw DJs shade. are we're like, not. come on. I. I enjoyed them. I'm see that that to me was different because I wanted to go see Tyler and everyone else wanted to go see Marshmallow. Uh, and then my one buddy was like, dude, I'm moving this summer. You got to see him with me. Yeah, and so Tyler it's like, shows. so you miss Tyler? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I've show. seen Tyler a lot, my guy. That show. Though, and I can't yeah, speak you, on you it because I've only saw him in 2018. This is dude, I, first I've seen, show I've seen after Call Me If You Get Lost. Yeah. I've been, uh, that was the old uh, Odd Future days. I've seen Tyler too many times. But that is a show that I was like, and that's kind of what. Like now that I've seen certain people like I so this year I've retired Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm done seeing Red Hot Chili Peppers. I how got, many times you seen them? I got to stop. Oh, my God. I think we were trying to count it on the way to Coachella. I think it's I think it was 19 or 20. Wow. And I just got to branch out. I'm seeing I number, gotta stop seeing my them. second time seeing them at Lala's Sunday. Like I just got But see that I agree. Like that's, that's awesome. fine. I mean, they were great just, at Soldier Field so last many year. Times. So many times. I no, just got to see someone else. And I, I normally say this every time and then I end up at the show. But I'm telling myself, like, Joe, this year, just like, go see someone else. So my plan is to go see Louis the Child. Um, we'll get you over to the Chili Peppers. I, know, I probably will. I um Back to the DJ team. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I got to take I, two. I respect them a lot because... I definitely I could because I'll be honest with you. I have friends who are DJs and they could say the same thing about us because technically, you know, sure we play our instruments live, but you know, we could be playing other people's music and that kind of stuff. We're like literally DJs, they make everything. And like mm-hmm. I have a huge respect for that kind of people. One of my favorite artists who got me into music was Calvin Harris, who is a DJ that produces so many pop hits that no one ever knows about. And sure, when you see him live, yeah, maybe he is just changing up some EQ frequencies and is just click and play, but like just to be there and for him to just put on the show. And not only that, but like the visuals of EDM shows, I, I think like everyone always underestimates and that kind of stuff, the production mm-hmm. that goes into that. So I agree. I, I have a lot of respect for him. I I actually saw Calvin Harris this year. Did, where did you see him at? Coachella. Really? How was he? Uh, banger. Okay. That's good. I've seen him twice. One thing before you go, Will, I want people to realize this about DJs. It's like certain DJs, like certain EDM, I really do not care for. Um, but what is wrong with the just pressing play? They've done the producing. They've done the music making behind the scenes. And there should be nothing wrong with just like listening to like them pressing play, listening to the music and people dancing and having fun. 
Yeah, I mean, DJs live is is kind of a different conversation because we're just talking DJs as a whole. Yeah, DJs know? as a whole, too. Yeah, because yes. I'm not going to go see a DJ live because it is that. But that doesn't mean I don't respect the art form. And my, my take on DJs is I, I think it's really, really cool. I don't like what I've seen the vast majority of DJs lean towards in recent years. I mean, Adam just recently, I mean, I grew up listening to License to Ill a lot, and he recently got me on Paul's Boutique, but, like, the the whole sampling concept that started up in the 80s with BC Boys and stuff like that, ridiculously cool, and, I mean, yeah, su- super, super cool what, what they started and what they did, um, and in different contexts, it's different, but you see a lot of DJs now where it is just, like, it's not even their own music. You see DJs play another song. And then find some cool transition to another song where it's not even. So if you're if you're performing your own music, that's different. But I've seen a large trend of just the concept of DJs being warped into like artistry when they're really just like transitioning one song into another. And you're mm-hmm. like, if I go to a party and there's a DJ instead of a real band, come on. I man. do appreciate though about DJs that it's an entirely different experience. It's like a party. Like you said, the, the visuals are going and I, I, I think it's cool that they broke away from, it doesn't have to be what your grandfather thinks is music. They made their own thing. DJs have really, really high peaks, but very, very low lows. That's my, oh, I agree. I will say well, my last comment about DJs and I'm, I'm actually going to a rave on Friday. I'm going to see sudden death. If you know who that is. Okay. Um, but I'm seeing him at the radius and, <laughs> There's four EDM artists, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of EDM. I will say one thing that I love about it is with rock concerts with other genres, there is space in between. Like when we play a song, there's space in between. We start the next song. EDM, it is from an you know from the second the music starts to an hour and a half. There's no stopping, and it is bass drops the whole time. So it's like the whole for that whole hour and a half it's like you're just floored you know what i mean it's just like there's mm-hmm. not even a second where you're not like anticipating what's going to happen next which i love well dj's are such a wide range of things cuz that's that's like a edm more leaning thing right yeah but you know i what mean, you're talking about yes. cuz cuz bc boys to edm is a large range of mm-hmm. dj's yeah. So it really depends on what area you're talking about. I couldn't make it through an hour and a half of just repetitive bass drops. Some people love it and there's no slander on it. You're going to have a great time. I couldn't do that. But if you put me in front of the Beastie Boys, I'll be there all night. No, I get it. Um, one last thing. Have you listened to Fred again at all? Yes, I have. I saw him um, in New York. Fred I saw him. I saw Fred again, Skrillex, and... Fortet. I- yeah, I think so. I, did you see the MSG I, show? Yeah. Well, I, I, no way. Well, I didn't. I'll say this. I didn't see the MSG show because it was sold out and I wasn't 21 at the time. But they did a pop-up show in Times Square the same day. You went day. to that one when I they were in the, like, the little chart? I was Or the like, cart? The truck. I was dude. There. Okay. So you would know this. Like, dude, you've got to listen to Quest for Fire. Like, where, His um, new album's great. Like, it's really uh, it's good. Well, I guess, yeah, that's Skrillex. The Quest for Fire, but like uh, Rumble, Red-A-Tat-Tat. Uh, still here, absolute bangers, very different than his other stuff. Um, but no, seriously, guys, thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. Yes, I had was. a blast. Thank you. And now, Some screaming I, uh, thanks for having. What us. I was ta- uh, what I was telling Adam is we're gonna have to do this. Like I don't know if you saw Billie Eilish did this with GQ, but every, every year, year they did it. Well, we should do this. We should do like a yearly thing. We'll Absolutely. not have a half it. a decade. Let's do a yearly thing where we get together. We do a podcast. I'll come out to you guys next time. We could all do stuff, but I think that that's what we should do, and then we should just talk about where this is going because 
I told you guys back when you guys were in high school, I was like, you guys got something special. I was like, it's not, it's not a fluke. It's not a one hit wonder type thing. And to seeing where you guys have come from is super cool. It is also, I mean, obviously I'm very invested because one of my family members is in the band, but I've actually gotten to know you guys as well. And it's just super cool to see where you guys have come. I'm very excited to listen to the whole EP when it comes out. I liked, um, sweater and, um, no, I'm super excited for the future. For everyone out there listening, thank you very much for listening. Remember, go check out and anywhere you can see music uh, off their album. Hi, hey, hello, or hey, hi, hello. <laughs> You'll never wear my sweater. It will be released August 11th. August 11th. August 11th, August 11th and the full album drops September 29th. Yes. Is that correct or no? Yes. Perfect. Go give them a listen. Check out Daydreams. That's your host's favorite song. And uh, check out their whole discography. It's very good. And just when you're listening to it, remember, they did it in a basement. (laughs) They did it in a dorm. Then they finally got to the studio. It's a big thing. Shout out Beer League Podcast because you know how to get the real us out of there. You know, it's some different <laughs> yes. questions. May not be the best for PR, PR but it's the it's, <laughs> it's the it's the real us out there. So we we appreciate we you we gotta. Us on. That's the, like the one thing that I try to do. It's you know, you can't always be robotic. I like to get you guys laughing, joking around. I had a feeling that the Beatles one was gonna touch some strings. Let's <laughs> let's yeah. Let's we'll we'll, this t- next we'll table year, okay. it. Um. All right, well, thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you guys for being here. This is uh, Beer League and Keep the 11. Have a good one.